Oh God, you are God. Our soul thirsts for you. And our flesh thanks for you. For in a dry and weary land, there is no water. But it is through you that the Holy Spirit is the water that we need. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Pour down upon us a refreshing, great grace in such a way that we will be refreshed in our journey. Move me behind the cross. Let the words of my mouth be a sweet meditation unto you, dear Lord. Let it pinch and tickle our spirits that when our names are called from heaven that we will know what we need to do because you have spoken to us. We ask all of this in your precious son Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, we thank you for your service and your diligence this day. The sermon title is simply Got Water. Amen? When you are thirsty and your lips become a bit parched, tea is good, coffee is great, but there's nothing like water. Amen? When the day is hot and you have perspired everywhere to the point that you are literally drenching in southeast Texas heat, you can hardly get out of your car to get to what? A cool drink of water. Sometimes even the water that has sat in the car and gotten hot is attractive. Amen? You say, just a little quench. My throat is so dry, I barely can open my mouth. You start licking your lips and there's nothing in there. And you just say to yourself, if I just could get me some water. It's tough to be thirsty sometimes. Amen? But it's even tougher to be thirsty in such a way that really nothing can quench your thirst but the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's not that physical thirst. It's not that thirst that makes your mouth just be dry, dry, dry. Just talking about the dryness makes me want to drink a little water. Amen? The scriptures this week, as well as the, the, the lectionary scriptures for the Lenten season, remind us in many ways that Jesus was in the wilderness. And when you think about the wilderness, can't you see the limitation of water? A little bit here, not enough there, and just wilderness. You think about water and you say, well, 
should I pack it or try to keep it or hold on to it because I don't know when I'm going to get to the next stream? Can you imagine being in wilderness and just be thirsty? Turn to your neighbor and say, Neighbor, are you thirsty? Turn to your other neighbor and say, Neighbor, I heard God has water. Turn to yourself and say, Sam, where can I get some? The bottom line is we have to understand that there is water and we need water. Amen? What do you need to grow if you're a human being? Water? The, the majority of our body is made of water. Amen? And if you don't water it on a frequent basis, no caffeine, no Coca-Cola, no Sprite, no Pepsi, no Pepsi Plus or whatever's going on, no green tea in a special bottle, citrus fruit flavor, just water. Any of you been to the doctor and the doctor say, I think from what I've been testing, every time I go to draw your blood, your blood is so hard to get out of your arm. You're not drinking enough water. Any nurses in the house recognize that it's hard to pull that blood and get that test done because the people didn't do what? Drink the water. And then you say, well, Lord, you know, I don't really like water. Can we put a little sugar water? A little lemon water, a little fruit water. I mean, can we just jazz it up? I mean, just plain old water. But I take you back to being in the wilderness with Jesus Christ. And we just have to say to ourselves, mm, I sure could use some water. Why is water so important in our spiritual journey? Why is water so important in our day-to-day -day life? Why does the doctor say over and over, drink eight glasses that are eight ounces on a daily basis, and that's the baseline. If you weigh X, you ought to drink 10 glasses. If you weigh Y, you ought to drink 12 glasses. And you say, oh, no, Pastor, I travel a lot. I'm out and about in the streets. I can't be drinking all that water and then taking the water pill that the doctor said take to reduce the fluid. I mean, come on, God. That's for somebody else. But I'm talking more than just physical water because all of us could increase our physical intake of water. But at the same time, all of us need to check the meter in our lives where our spiritual levels of water are because some of us are barren and some of us are in the wilderness and some of us are dry and some of us have not been watered in a while because we're running and running and running busy, busy lives. We don't stand still because the scripture that reminds me that we have to stand still and know God. Be still and receive God. 
stand in the way that God would catch us. And we have to be willing to be caught. Some of us say, oh, I'm not dry. I read scripture on the run. I pray in the cross. I pray without ceasing. And I say to us, that is good, but is it enough to nourish our hearts and our minds in a way that we would be nurtured, that our roots would be firmed up yet again? We would have the water that would come underneath the ground and into our systems and our lives that we would be able to know God and God would be able to know us. The passages today, Isaiah 55, 1-9 is the Old Testament. The Psalm reading is Psalm 63, 1-8. and 8. The Corinthians passage is 10, 1-13. And the Luke passage is 13, 1-9. If you look and try to identify what is the common thread that floats through all of those, I say to you that it's important for us to understand our sacramental life with Jesus Christ. All of us have been baptized by the one and true and living God. We are all parts of the members of the body of Christ. But the reality of it all is after we said yes and after we were adopted, what have we done since then to grow? I really wasn't expecting an answer, but Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The reality of it is, sometimes we say yes, and we don't live out all our yeses. Sometimes we know that we're thirsty, but we say to ourselves, instead of drinking a whole bottle of water, we just take a little sip. We don't have time to drink all the water. We don't have time for our thirst to be fully quenched. We just take a, oh, just a little sip to take the edge off of our journey. We say, well, you know what? The doctor said if I drink eight glasses of water, why don't I just do four and I can still do the other things I want to do? I had an opportunity to talk with our confirmation students today about three things, God, sin, and grace. And I talk to them about the fact that sometimes we don't see sin for what it is. And I talk to them about the fact that we love to play little game boy. And playing game boy is not a sin. But if playing game boy removes us from every single time, we ought to be praying and talking to God. All we can do is play game boy. And there's not a scripture on game boy yet. We are losing the time of building a relationship with Jesus Christ because we're game boy. And they looked at me and said, Pastor, game boy not a sin, is it? I said, no, but it's our act of being separated from Jesus Christ. And I, an example that I use, I tell them, I say, I enjoy watching cartoons, but if I watch too many cartoons, and I spend all my time watching cartoons, every free hour that I ought to be praying and talking to God and repenting to God and seeking God and studying God's Word, I'm watching Cartoon Network because it's on 24 hours, then that's a sin in my behavior 
because that is causing me to live separate from God. I've made cartoons more important than my relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus reminds us in the Old Testament his thoughts are greater than our thoughts. His ways are greater than ours. But he's asking us to seek him and the guidance and the direction. So when he says he got water, we ought to say where? When he says how shall I send you, we ought to say where do you want me to go? We ought to have a spirit of moving into the direction because God tells us in verse 1, everyone who first comes to the water and you will have no milk, no money, come and you will eat. But by wine and milk, you will have milk and honey without a price. The man is rich. It is enriched with nurturing. For it has been fed with the water. But if we come, not expecting to do anything in the land, the land will eventually grow dry. But the good news is, the God that we love can water us anyhow. As we look at the Psalm passage and we look at the Corinthian passage, there are some very intentional things in both of those passages that remind us that repentance is not optional. But by the time we get to the Luke passage and Luke is describing what it means to walk in regular everyday life. And he reminds us through his writings that says, now I tell you that unless you repent, you will perish. The pilot believed he could control the fate of Jesus Christ. But in actuality in that passage, it reminds us that Jesus was the one who knew that the sacrifice would be mingled together, but yet and still, he would eventually overpower death. For he would die on the cross and would rise yet again, and he would be a victor, and his blood would not be lost because it would be the sacrifice that ultimately would allow us to have salvation. But the parable of the fig tree, the barren fig tree, is not just barren, it is barren and somebody's pleading the case. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, somebody's pleading your case. That's good news because in the parable, God is considered the gardener. And the gardener is concerned about the fact that this fig tree wasn't growing any figs. But I did a little research. And the gardeners in the house would appreciate this. It has been told to me that fig trees are easy to grow. They ought to be able to grow in just about any climate with some water, some nurturing, a little sunshine, and care. But in this case, in this parable, the tree had been in the vineyard for three years. Imagine that fig tree just not being any old tree. It's a fig tree that honestly says... It's a fig tree that says, I am faith in God. And your faith in God hasn't bared any fruit. What would you say if that fig tree were you? What would you say in your spiritual journey if everything you did, year in and year out, nobody knew about Jesus? Nobody came to love the Lord any better. Nobody experienced any change in their spiritual journey. If you and I were the fig tree, we would hope somebody was what? Plead not case. Please, please, 
please don't cut me down. Please, please, please don't pull me up by the roots. If we were that fig tree, because the symbol there is God is the gardener, and the humanity of people are the trees. And when they are barren for not just one year, two years, but three years, the landowner says, if it hasn't given up any fruit, it's wasting my soil. Tear down. Rip it up. But the ultimate gardener, the gardener of all great and loving things, says, just wait one moment. I'm going to put some fertilizer on it. I'm going to put some water on it. I'm going to put some nurturance on it. I'm going to spend a little time with it. Because over the next year, I believe it can grow. Isn't that the good news for us this morning? That somewhere along the way, the grace and love of Jesus Christ was extended to us for an extra year. That we would grow by grace and not by sight. That we would not be cut down at the root of our experience and say, there's nothing good that can be done in each of us. You may say, well, you know, I've already repented, so I don't have to worry about perishing. I stopped by here this morning to tell you that these passages are time tough passages to preach because when we take our mirror of life, as I shared with the confirmation students, and allow it to reflect and try to see the God in us, we see the blemishes, we see the marks on our face that God has instilled. We are a work in progress. But he identifies that there are things that we are still needing to have a little water on. There are still things that we need to grow by grace. There are still things that need to be adjusted in our lives. It's real simple. Repent or perish. Don't just repent for the things that we're comfortable with. We need to repent for the things that we're also uncomfortable about. We need to repent. Repent means to turn away from and turn towards God. It means to turn away from who we used to be and seek God for who we need to be today. It is about us seeking and finding our way every step in God. So you see, this simple message today talks about the fact that God is offering us grace today. He's offering us worship, anointing, testimony, expectation, and repentance over and over again. Wherever we go, he has a vessel of water waiting to be poured upon us so that we would be nurtured by his grace. And some of us are simply saying, I have my raincoat on and I won't have to really receive the water. You can pour it if you want to, Jesus. But I'm already growing where I am. I'm perfectly fine and I don't need your water. You say, well, Pastor, that doesn't happen here. I stop by to say, yeah, but it does. As the black church, as a community of faith, we need to look around. Every place there is an empty seat. God is calling us to invite somebody in. And you may say, well, we're in the practice of doing certain things. We're not barren right now. We have one or two figs, and I think that's good enough, and God ought to be happy with our one or two figs. When we look at our history, how long have we had one or two figs? How long have we decided this is the way we want to be? 
The reality of it is we are called into a walk by faith, new model ministry. And you say, well, we've heard all the new things before. This week I had an opportunity to experience the annual conference in various different locations to hear what is happening, what is changing, and what is moving. The vision of the annual conference has changed. And so that is to have vibrant, growing congregations, changing lives, and reshaping futures for Jesus Christ. Its mission is to equip congregations to make disciples for Jesus Christ, for the transformation of the world. Not to the glory of the people, but to the glory of God. He has called us to understand that our key drivers, which make us get up and go and do, one of them is fruitfulness. He is not asking us to be barren any longer. He's asking us to get into a desire to grow, that we are to be spirit-led, that we are to seek excellence, that we are to be fruitful and accountable. Accountable is not an agitated word. For it is a word that says, let us look at ourselves. This area of the vineyard is growing. This area needs a little more water. But this area is actually barren. Who is going to nurture this? Who has the fertilizer? And when the who gets answered and it says you and me, what are we willing to do about it together? Our core beliefs have said that we are radical hospitality, passionate worship, faith-forming relationships, risk-taking mission, extravagant generosity, kind connectional ministry, and fervent prayer and diligent study of the Scripture. You may say, we already have this class, or we already have that class. Well, there's a young lady back here, and she's 21 years old, and she's not sure which class fits her. The reality of it is we have to be willing to allow that circle to just get a little bigger to include everybody who needs to grow. This morning when some of you came in, young people met you at the door. And you said, well, when I got here, they weren't there. Well, they were in confirmation class. But their thing was this morning, just go to the door and say good morning. Just go. Block the door so a person can't get in till they say good morning. Jesus Christ. For God is in each of us, and each of us ought to seek to see the God in each of us. Look for it. Be intentional about it. Look to see it and say, I'm looking for Jesus, and I see it in you. For God says that we ought to be fruitful. The beginning of January, we had to report evidence of fruitfulness. We have been collecting these things for three years before they even started asking. But now that we're collecting them and we're reporting it, some people are uncomfortable because we get to see where we're growing and where we're bearing. Before we get to the next year that says we'll look at it next year, and then we get to the next year's report and we say we're going to look at it next year, God is saying I'm calling you to look at it now. Why is that important? Because when we see the fruit, it will be a great harvest. What inspired me a lot about the barren parable is that God believes in us forever. His timing is not our timing. His days are not our days. His years are not our years. What is one year in our house may be a second in his. 
but he offers us grace on an extended time period. I'm giving you a year. Does that mean he's giving us a lifetime without any level of accountability? The answer is no. It is time for us to look at ourselves individually, our body as a group of people, our community as even a larger group of people, our systems that we work and live in, our children, our home, our home and our home and our extended home. And when we see that maybe two fingers are pointed out, we have to acknowledge the three fingers that are pointed at each of us individually. Because there's work that we have to do inside and outside. There's work that we have to do and we have to repent first. Because God said if we don't repent, we will perish. Your parish may not look like mine. My parish may look not look like yours. But regardless, we are in this house together and perish is perish. So I say to you today, what will you do differently this week? My question to the confirmation students is, tell me how you saw God during spring break. And before I ask them, I ask them, where were you going and what were you doing? And they said, well, I'm going here and I'm going here. And so I'm saying, I'm not going anywhere else but up the street. And my statement was, will we allow ourselves to see God in everyday places? The same challenge I gave them, I give it to us. But you see, this is not a fancy message today. Grace is offered us today. The water is worship, anointing, testimony, expectation, and repentance. But we worship Jesus. We are anointed by the Spirit. We offer a testimony of great faith. But more than anything, we have an expectation that there will be fruit. That is hope. That is joy. That is love. And then finally, when we repent of our sin, the change is real. As we move forward on our journey, and all of us surrender our fig tree souls into the one and true and living God, I guarantee you that there's water. I guarantee you that it will rain. And when the water rains down, the joy and the change will rise up. Some of you aren't excited. But that's all right, because those that are, God will allow you the fruit to bear. And some of it will bear quickly, some of it will bear slowly, but this church will bear more fruit. This church will get watered upon in the areas that are necessary to help it move from fruitless or little fruit to an abundance and be fully fruitful. May you have not a barren week, but a fruitful week with Jesus Christ. The doors of the church are open. If your soul is barren and your life is barren and you want to know the water bearer of Jesus Christ, if you want to know the one that can water your soul and make you grow, please pray here.